Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 122 for Monday, January 4th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is Johnny, aka Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. Have you got used to writing 2021 on anything yet? I have, <laughs> I've been so confused, as usually happens. I think the first three months of 2021, I, I will be writing 2020. And while I'm sure we're all obviously keen to see the last year gone, um, we also had a great end to it. And uh, we want to thank everybody who bore with us through the uh, last couple of pre-recorded episodes of the year and if you want to hear more about what we did over the holiday break you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast which you can get at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and listen in uh so we're back we're back for a new year and i think a lot of today's show is going to be concerned with what we have planned for the year ahead but in the meantime joel what have you been up to in minecraft i put in a solid chunk of work, and I mean quote-unquote air quote work, uh, on the still unnamed medieval town in uh, the Citadel medieval realm uh, over the holidays. All on stream, really enjoyable. Like, mm-hmm. it, I've just been locked into this town, have not left unless I had to go repair tools or do anything, uh, and I've just been having a, a really good time with it. And being able to do it all on stream, I streamed an awful lot over the holidays uh, in a way that I wish I could sustain, but I can't. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, there's there's a number of things that are that are um, it, it, it as a result, uh, things went very quickly. Right. So that's that's good. Uh, and I'm feeling very accomplished. It's starting to feel like a town, like you're starting to feel like, oh, when I enter in through the front gate, uh, I feel enclosed. I feel like there's a, a middle and an end and there's stuff going on. Uh, and I've been kind of. Doing houses buildings they've been non-specific i've not like made a fishing hut you know like i've kind of just put buildings where i think i need a shape i'll worry about their purpose later um i'm thinking of putting like little um item frames with items to indicate you know like bakery or you know rather than putting a sign up with words i think i'm just going to use like symbols sure yeah yeah that'd rpg be, style where it's just like a shield above the place where you buy armor and weapons that e- kind exactly of yeah, I, yeah, yeah i currently have i currently have a sword right now over the over what looks like the barracks at the front of the town like that nice. kind of stuff yes yeah and so uh i've also had uh I've, I've made the roads first which is a tip i got from whip a long time ago uh or plan them out anyway and so then you're stuck trying to figure out how do i fit a house that's only seven by nine and not on a right angle into this space in between the s curve of the road that i really like and so as a result i've ended up having to build angled houses uh 45 degree houses i've done offset houses where it's not really an angle you just kind of like take two five by fives and kind of offset them by a block just to make it look more interesting and have a slight angle to the build and have it um i guess recede as the road slightly curves you know uh, and I've learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun to put up these houses, which take roughly one stream. Like it's, it's bigger builds are like two streams, but these houses go from zero to having a roof on them in three hours, which yeah. is great because then you feel accomplished. And then every time you do a stream, the road gets busier and busier and busier. And so it's just been a ton of fun. Uh, I want to tip my hat to the lovely people in chat. <clears throat> We've had like just it was just a lot of really nice people around over the holidays uh i i got to talk to some minecraft devs in my chat which was really cool uh kind of having a kind of a surreal moment over the holidays with the 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 conversations i was having which was very cool um and then to cap it all off i put a gate on the south of the town so i kind of i've now kind of worked my way through to the point where 
I want to build more houses, but I need to know where the housing area stops and like, where's my limit, you know, kind of yeah. giving myself like artificial challenges in terms of like, okay, well, you can't build past here because you've spent six hours on this gate <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. not moving. Um, and so I did another gate and the challenge with that was to make it look like it was the same kind of design as the existing builds, but I wanted it to look older and a little bit less important. So it had to be smaller simpler that kind of stuff and i again we did, did this in two streams uh over the last weekend which unfortunately in the new year twitch had a lot of drops we we had two streams crash you know on us um at good stopping point so it wasn't the end of the world for me but there was a point where i lost quite a lot of viewers because of a crash which was really frustrating um but still had a great day still had you know, very satisfied with the builds i'm really happy with the way that they look yeah, you should be. Like I <laughs> one of my Thanks, favorite man. things in these these screenshots and people from like listening to this on the feed go to take a look at the show notes where I'm sure Joel will have put yes. some of these screenshots is you've got a bunch of houses clustered around one of the towers of that archway that goes over the river. You've got kind yep. of a bridge sort of set up going yep. on there, but I love the houses that have just kind of like stuck onto the side of these things like limpets. And that style of stuff is something that I have struggled with for a while because I don't always know how to handle transitions between a house building and like a solid wall or have it connect to another house. And I feel like one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're constructing towns in Minecraft is to make every house just individual, detached and not really like clustered together in that way that mm -hmm. feels so much more like a town would develop you know the buildings are almost like huddled around the taller stuff so that you get less of the wind as you step outside the front door or you know they're just like you know it feels like they're in the lee of these larger structures which really helps the town feel come across a lot better than having everything just in its own plot you know so i think you've done that remarkably well um, oh, thanks, man. I really yeah. appreciate that. And part of it is just like I have a five by, you know, or a, or a, a five by seven area, and you're like, that's not big enough for anything with a roof yeah. on it. Like, you uh -huh. just, you just, so then you realize, wait a minute. And this, I mean, the, the the house that you're talking about, the building that you're talking about, it's more of like a storage building than it is really a house. But yeah, uh, it the inspir inspiration came from a, a model that I saw on pinterest it's like a little train model it's like a house build up against a bridge and it's very similar in shape and design and my brain just went that's brilliant instead of trying to fit a whole house into that space fit a half house into that space uh -huh. yeah and it makes sense from a medieval perspective when you think about like well if the bridge was there first why would you want to build four walls in a house when you can just build three like you're yeah. you're, you're doing there's no machines to help you like it's all medieval you know you're placing everything by hand and cutting all the wood like you'd want to use you know the 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 existing structures as best you could um and what i've been going with is just kind of like i don't have any lore i don't have any theme outside of like just kind of like roughly stone and wood age kind of stuff um but i've noticed that you know i always want to try to put chimneys on houses to make them feel alive don't necessarily have um active campfires pumping out smoke all the time but i do want to start doing more of that um however uh in one of those houses on the right hand side there's like three three little brown roofs on the right hand side as you go into the town there's two little happy accidents that happen there first where i put the chimney in one house is actually where the the chimney is in the other house too so it's one chimney and then the hearths inside the houses are on the opposite walls so it's like having uh back-to-back -back fireplaces even though there's not a hole in between it's i just used the one chimney so i didn't have to build another one 
and and so it it kind of informed where I could stick another house under the other. You know, like why would I want to build my own chimney for my own house when I can just like ask my neighbor, hey, can I put my fire into your chimney too? Mm-hmm. And that works out. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, having um, not really altered the terrain, I didn't really like flatten everything. And so inside one of these houses, there's a staircase that goes up to the second floor and the second floor has an exit onto the second level of the terrain. So it really actually pops you out like seven or 10 blocks higher at street level. Yeah. So you can go in the house, downstairs and out the house and end up on a different street. And it's just like happy accidents like that. I've just been kind of going with the flow. And I find that if you just create those artificial rules, it just inspires so much more design decisions because if you have a wide open flat space you're going to just want to build houses next to each other but and have that like separation you mentioned but if you are saying like okay no i only have these 13 blocks because i don't want to landscape this entire place because i don't want eight shulker boxes full of dirt you know and you just you have to go with it and when you do that you just kind of come up with these innovative like piling on top of one another designs and it makes it feel a lot more dense i find yeah um, yeah, yeah thanks again man like for coming from you i really i appreciate the the, the building compliment because it's uh, it's been a lot of fun yeah i'm i'm taking notes because i'm starting probably what's going to be a medieval project as well uh in nice. my my rtx series is back for more um five episodes of which are still sponsored by nvidia but i'm probably continuing the series after that because now that i've had a chance to play with the full release of it and i feel like maybe some of this was not super well communicated initially but so much of what you can do with minecraft rtx in bedrock edition is down to texture pack creators more than it is down to hard and fast rules that they've set for how rtx functions right um so i've been playing around with some new texture packs and stuff that can change uh the light emissions of certain blocks uh texture pack side not necessarily like lighting for the world not mechanical lighting but at least visual lighting um so now i have access to uh, redstone blocks lapis blocks and emerald blocks now being rgb light sources um so so i'm starting to use those in really fun ways and i've come up with a couple of really interesting like techniques for lighting stuff and just combining lights in different ways so what i'm planning on doing in my rtx series is building a castle that's probably going to be made out of like there's a keep in the center and then there are walls around the outside as concentric rings and each one can kind of be lit a different way and it's going to look quite modern in the sense of you know probably somebody has come along in modern times and decided to make this castle more of a feature and you know the way like older buildings can have stuff like projected up onto large walls of them in in kind of modern cities and you know they'll they'll be uplit in in fun ways during you know christmas or new year or whatever kind of celebration where you've got colorful lighting involved and i want to do stuff like this a whole bunch the the other side of me is immediately wanting to start turning all of this into like a cyberpunk style build project as well because there's there's so much cool stuff you can do once you have access to like colored lighting which as people who listen to this show at all know has been a uh, a desire of mine in minecraft for a long time but having seen so many people get into and then probably be a little bit disappointed by cyberpunk 2077 over the holidays it's like you could create that kind of world in minecraft so much more easily by having emissive light sources like this and 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 neon lights everywhere and that kind of stuff so i'm i'm playing around with ideas for that series right now and i think i'm going to start medieval just because of 
material access just because of how abundant stone and wood are in the early game because this is a survival series it's not going to be a creative build series but i plan on doing right. a lot of building uh and then i'm gonna move into okay now we've got a bunch of resources we can start making concrete and getting blackstone and like a lot more of that stuff is going to be baked into the world i can start to think about more modern projects and to be honest if i'm building a cyberpunk city i probably want to put it in a desert or something you know somewhere that there's flat open terrain and it feels like you've just constructed this metropolis in the most impractical place kind of like las vegas is you know you can mm -hmm. do a lot with lighting yeah. if you're creating like a vegas style town yeah um, like um the uab you know like it's just nothing but sand dunes and flat and then all of a sudden there's these massive skyscrapers and all kinds yeah. of stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, i and yeah, i yeah. and i think um night city from cyberpunk is even basically in a desert or near enough right it's kind of got badlands area outside of the town and that kind of thing yeah um, I, I haven't watched a lot of 2077 but i think when i have tuned in the only time i've tried to look hey you know i've got some time let's check it out it's just been someone driving around and i was like well this isn't exactly entertaining so <laughs> i'm gonna move on but like 50% of the time they're driving in what looks like, you know, Nevada or some sort of like dust bowl yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about setting up roads and having like wind farms and stuff out there. And uh, cool. Um, yeah, just just doing stuff with like natural light being an option is is pretty fun. And the amount of stuff you can do with it in terms of like just having three lights, obviously, because the, the colors of light are red green and blue if you kind of combine those in different colors those are like the primary colors which mm -hmm. if you're used to working with pigments uh sounds a little bit strange because you're like wait where's yellow uh <laughs> but then um if you if you combine uh red green and blue lights in a circle then you effectively get a color wheel and so mm -hmm. i built one of those up on like a mountainside somewhere in creative and just stood there looking at it for a while going wow this is possible um mm -hmm. and i've just been playing around with rainbow lighting and doing all kinds of like fun stuff like that and then i went to the nether <laughs> and for the survival series I, I just uploaded an episode today where i went to the nether and just looking at like basalt deltas and stuff like that is a really fantastic experience with just in terms of like creating atmosphere in the nether it does what you imagine it doing in your head and that your brain is kind of filling in the gaps of when you go to one in default minecraft right with with default graphics um, mm -hmm. and maybe some shader packs have started doing stuff like this as well. Uh, but the, the, the realism of it really kind of hits home when you're in the nether and it's so dark, but then the lava is blindingly bright in a lot of ways. And most of the torches and stuff that you place down don't really emit a whole lot. You're looking for clusters of glowstone. And I think one of the things it does really well is that a lot of light sources will get you through the game in default Minecraft, which don't have as striking of an effect later. It feels like torches become inadequate after a while, and you need to look for light sources that are going to cast glow over a wider area than just a single torch does. Even though mechanically speaking, it's still lighting 14 blocks away the actual light it's providing to the player feels more like three or four blocks and then it's not doing much outside of that. Yeah, so, yeah. So which is it how kind a torch of, would really work, yeah. It, it encourages you to progress along a lighting tech tree as well as a tool tech tree, which I feel like is a really interesting concept in general. It's like if you started in regular Minecraft with like soul fire torches that only give off a light level of 10 and then getting light level 14 torches was a lot more difficult or something i don't know it's it, it's an interesting world to play around with now that uh, realistic lighting is is a part of it dude these screenshots are 
fantastic. Like just yeah. the possibilities that, that it looks like it opens up. Like I thought the 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 first shot of the of the wall with the multicolors, which reminds me of when I visited Disney, um, because that's what they do with like Cinderella's castle mm-hmm. at various times of the year. Yeah. They light it from below with different colors and spotlights, and they can make it basically do anything. Uh, and it's it that looks it looks fantastic. Like it's so cool. Uh, but then the color wheel, the color mixing, and what looks like a prism effect in one of these, like it just, I kind of, I kind of wonder how much, you know, we draw parallels between Minecraft Redstone and either computer programming or electrical engineering. I wonder how much of RTX is going to translate into people learning about light and physics and how that actually works, you know? Yeah. And because I know that's how it's working in the game. Like that's what the whole idea behind RTX is that it's working as close to light as, you know, as it should uh, but i'm wondering in terms of like controlling that and making it do what you want in minecraft is going to lead to people learning a lot more about like what about angled light what about passing light through objects bouncing light off of things what hard light versus soft light like all that kind of stuff diffuse versus you know um direct like all that kind of thing uh would be really cool even like getting into film lighting you know like key light kick light you know fill light all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, and and the the way you can have color glass effect things it varies depending on texture packs, but you can you can do really cool things with that as well, and you can either work with combining RGB lights or you can shine white light through sixteen colors, uh, and and there's there's a bunch of different stuff you can do with it that I'm I'm just kind of scratching the surface of right now, and I feel like at the very least it's just going to make a lot more builds a lot more atmospheric, um, yeah. so far, but. Outside yeah. outside of that, I'm still working on, obviously, my, my standard Java Minecraft stuff. Uh, I'm continuing the Survival Guide Museum. Today I was working on the Nether exhibit for that, and I've been clearing out my Nether hub a little bit so that, A, I can get materials for it. I've got loads of Netherrack, but it's just all over the world at this point. And, and B, so that I can see my Nether hub for the first time, because it's been there for a while, this kind of massive circular structure, but I never dug it out to the extent where if you were flying over it, you could see the entire thing. And now I have, and I'm really happy with the effect it gives, because it's a giant compass set into a wider circle that has a bunch of miniature Minecraft biomes built around it. Uh, to the extent that I can do that in the nether, I've I've replaced a lot of water in some areas with you know stained glass and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it it looks really great, and I've got spaces around the rest of this that I wanted to put the new nether biomes when they arrived, and uh, like a, a a kind of diorama of the end islands and that kind of stuff. But uh, I th- those were all buried underneath netherrack, and you couldn't really see them, so I'd just been ignoring it for the longest time. And so now I'm getting to the point with that project where I can actually start filling the rest of that in and closing the whole thing off so that ghasts don't fireball me as soon as I come through the portal. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is the plan. And above that now, I'm planning on using um, Impulse. uh, Impulse SV from the Hermitcraft used a bedrock breaking method in the early stages of this current season of Hermitcraft. I think it's by Raiseworks originally. Um, but anyway, um, it, it's it's a fairly simple bedrock breaking method that's a lot faster than some of the other methods I've used um, and, and requires very few materials. So now I'm probably going to break a giant hole in bedrock above this and have something that I can just fly up through the center of my nether portals and go straight to my gold farm from there instead of having to use a minecart elevator. Because that's the one aspect of the infrastructure of this place that's still just kind of dangling in the middle of nowhere and i want it gone so instead i'm just going to have a a way you can fly directly up into the roof from there that's something that i i really took for granted when we did the the city Uh, i've been doing a lot of 
flying up and down and scaffolding climbing. Oh man, the bane of my existence doing these towers in Minecraft and boy, do I miss water elevators in the modern mm-hmm. city. You know, like yeah. you know, pop into a skyscraper on 63 and pop out at 120 and just like a heartbeat and eat a, you know, bucket of chicken on your way up <laughs> uh, as one does. And, and I, I wish there was a better mechanic for, for either a water elevator or a player elevator in the nether. Like, I yeah. feel like there should be something. Make it nethery, you know, give, give it the, the strider effect as we, we coined uh, last year. Uh, you know, like, make it Minecrafty and fun. But, like, I really wish there was some way of a fun player elevator in the nether that would make sense. Um, yeah. I know we've got crimson vines and stuff, but that's all manual. I'm talking, like, something that shoots you up at, you know, decent speed that doesn't rely on, like pistons and server timings and like all that kind of stuff that seems yeah. to be pretty you know um not complicated but um finicky i guess unreliable yeah i've i've, I've made slime block elevator st- type stuff in the past in the nether and it, it's always more trouble than it's worth mm-hmm. <laughs> it always feels yeah. like oh i'm spending all of this time doing this and have to sit in a minecarter on top of a llama to make sure that your player position is calculated well and then you know by the time you got done with it you know some scaffolding would have done <laughs> at that stage so yeah i feel you i feel like having having bubble lava columns and and just like splash yourself with fire <laughs> resistance or something like even yeah. stuff like that isn't quite up to scratch and no. if, if you're trying to transport anything else through the nether forget about it like i yeah. i have two villagers up on the roof next to my gold farm so i can trade them rotten flesh because they're clerics the only way i got them up there was splashing them with fire resistance and then having them go up through a column of lava and and it had to i had to make sure that the travel time wasn't five minutes so that they would be able to get out at the top of it and not still be on fire and take damage so <laughs> that that was that was a whole heap of trouble and it was it was fun making it into an episode but man i i would probably not do that again uh these days you can link portals to the nether roof anyway so it's less of an issue now Uh, but at the time yeah vertical travel in the nether is just like it's a whole heap of trouble Mm -hmm. well we can pop into the news section although we don't have a lot to talk about uh there's no big news about vanilla minecraft in terms of updates and snapshots uh quite yet because it's obviously just a few days into 2021 but uh i'm definitely looking forward to seeing more i'm i'm hoping that we get some some new snapshots soon um, you had a couple of things though that you wanted to share um, from like the Minecraft world. Yes, um, Minecraft.net posted an article a while back that was just like "Happy Holidays" from from Minecraft, basically around the time when I expect a lot of the Mojang devs were just like, "Right, we're off on our Christmas break now, and uh, see you guys in the new year." Uh, but it pointed out through a series of like <laughs> uh, links at the beginning that 2020 was actually a big year for Minecraft. Much as I'm sure we are all looking back on 2020, thinking, "Oh, we're glad that's over." There was so much that happened in Minecraft that was pretty significant. You had the launch of the Nether update, you had the announcement of the Caves and Cliffs update, which is what most of us are excited about for 2021. Minecraft Dungeons got released, uh, followed up by three DLC packs and the announcement of three more. Uh, We had the Steve and Alex DLC for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which was a a big deal for people in the, the Smash Bros. and the fighting game community. Mojang officially changed its name to Mojang Studios uh, and a a bunch of other stuff besides. Obviously, you know, I wanted to give an honorable mention myself to Minecraft Earth, which only got released worldwide basically on December 11th of 2019. So that was a game that could have had a much stronger 2020 if any of us had been allowed to leave the house. Uh, (laughs) But I think, uh, yeah, this, this last year... The last 12 months has been pretty big for Minecraft, and we've seen so many changes to the game and so much positive community engagement with what Mojang is doing recently. 
that I hope 2021 will follow it in a way that means a lot more people come back into Minecraft who may have fallen off in the last little while. And I think there's we're probably going to see some more cool stuff on the horizon for sure. Um, the last thing I wanted to give a, note, a nod to in the news is that uh, Awesome Games Done Quick is happening right now. AGDQ, uh, at the time of this release, uh, is is happening right now. And there is, uh, thanks to Aragon Tiger's Eye, who pointed this out in our Discord chat before we went live, uh, there is a Minecraft Dungeons speedrun scheduled for the stream on Wednesday, January 6th. Now, from what I know about AGDQ, because they are speedrunning games and things can go well, but things can also go wrong, the timings shift around a lot. So I'll post a link to the Games Done Quick schedule website in the uh, show notes, but bear in mind that that is possibly going to change, so don't necessarily set your alarms uh, for this one in particular. But in in terms of like my time right now, it seems scheduled to go at about 5pm uh, GMT on Wednesday, January 6th. And if you're not into uh, Minecraft Dungeons, if you're not into speedrunning, but you know of one or the other uh then maybe check it out because it's an interesting way to play games and with minecraft dungeons being new um it seems like it'll be an interesting thing to see how the fastest people complete this game looking back over 2020 the different things that you know you you listed there uh i need to get back into minecraft dungeons and i like i they've just they've released so much uh even though at some point, I think it's because we've just all been home and focused on stuff. And I think mainly in, I, th- I think in part because you and I, you know, report weekly on Minecraft and Minecraft goings on, um, that you forget the, just the sheer volume of stuff. And I say that with a giant happy face that, that Mojang Studios has kind of bestowed upon us, the community, uh, in 2020. Um, the things that I took away from, from that list were I had forgotten about, but was happily reminded of the Japanese building group, Minecraft Architect Project. Like, mm-hmm. I still, I I need to download that and just walk around or fly around in that because that is just madness. Yeah, like, the um the illegal architecture build. Yes, is that the, the illegal yeah. architecture build. Yeah, uh, especially like I don't know if it's I, I think it was before RTX was a thing, but uh like the things that are going to be coming out of you know that reminds me of the things that we'll see from like Elysium Fire and other big you know collaborative teams with RTX and like what is possible now it's just like it's just going to be epic to see that kind of stuff and get get inspired by it um on the reverse side of that uh minecraft earth was released december 11th 2019 worldwide that feels like eons ago yeah i know that's just 2019 was at least three years ago at this point right like that's that's what i'm feeling like i i this time last year i was going out into parks and and trying Mm -hmm. to like find adventures and and gather materials for that and to its great credit i think minecraft earth has continued even though uh quarantine has been keeping a lot of people indoors and they've implemented ways for you to do adventures from home and they've kept on rolling out updates for it and adding new mobs and different build plates and all of that kind of stuff despite everything else going on in the world and it may be not having like exactly the you know the experience that they intended from the beginning they've adapted well to that and i hope it does continue because it seems like a really interesting implementation of ar and hopefully now we're getting into the point where people are updating devices and are able to uh have access to it where previously they couldn't and i'm wondering when we see more information about 117 and snapshots whether we'll be able to say oh that looks a little bit inspired by minecraft earth because they've got you know all these new mobs and you know, different stuff like that. I'm wondering if any of that will just start to bleed into the to the main game. Yeah, I mean, it may be. We, we've we've got the Glow Squid is going to be arriving in the Caves and yep. Cliffs update. That's a, a Minecraft Earth original. 
um yeah. yeah there's there's definitely some some new stuff on the horizon and yeah i i think in terms of it, it it feels like it's been a big year for for the show for the spawn chunks and for me in particular just with all of the cool stuff that's been happening with the nether update and with minecraft dungeons i feel like that's given us so much material to talk about over the last 12 mm-hmm. months that I, I wanted to uh yeah I, I wanted to give us a chance to reflect on quite how much has actually happened in minecraft this year and uh man there's there's going to be some some cool stuff coming up which i'm sure we'll get into in future episodes for sure and i mean looking back like i was thinking about this before the show and i think it's because we've talked about these features so much on the podcast that i don't feel ill-informed on them but i realize i haven't scratched the surface on quite a few things in the nether update in particular in game i have not messed with piglin bartering bastions broods Granted, we're only on 116.1 on the Citadel right now. We're going to change that soon, but mm-hmm. I was waiting for the, you know, the mods and stuff to catch up. Uh, crimson and warped wood planks, shroom lights, etc. Not use them. Yeah. Um, outside of like, let's just see if this looks good. Nope, doesn't work. We'll move on. Um, striders, hoglins, never done anything with them. Target block, lodestone, respawn anchor, crying obsidian. Have not touched them in game. Snapshot stuff for like talking about them on the show. Sure. But I've like on the citadel not even a thing so like i'm not allowed to say i'm bored in minecraft yeah uh-huh. <laughs> like that's that that's not a thing that i can utter because and not that i've ever said that but like there's just a lot that i have not touched on at all and uh to the point where like as busy as i am as often as i play minecraft mojang is releasing more stuff than i can play with yeah i mean th- that's the world we're living in right now so i i hope um, and I want to, you know, kind of tip my hat to to Mojang, and I hope everybody else that's listening can as well. That's a lot of work. That's I hope they can give themselves a pat on the back. During the 2020, as most businesses have had to adjust to all kinds of different environments, um, they still put out a monster update. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they've done they've done so much, and they are still doing <laughs> a yes. whole oh, lot. Yeah. Um, as as far as <laughs> the stuff that you don't think you've covered, I think striders are probably my standout from that in a weird kind of way i mean recently i did an event with um with this server called monumenta that's um like hosting mmo stuff but is also planning on doing an event called clash of the creators uh which i was invited to participate in right after we finished recording like pre-recording one of the shows that went out over the holidays and um Yeah, uh, it was it was a basically a speedrun event. It was myself, Azuma, Logical Geek Boy, and Plagiatus on one team, basically trying to get as many advancements as we could in two hours, uh, playing against another team who were playing on an identical world but a separate server. But somehow, I guess through a bunch of plugins, they were able to sync up who was scoring which advancements, and it would let us know in the chat when the other team had done something that we hadn't, and so on. Um, but when you're exploring an early game Nether, Striders are so useful. Like, I, I, I think this, the humble strider is underrated in terms of getting a world started, because if you want to search for a nether fortress, get on a strider and go searching in a lava lake, because you so often find nether fortresses and bastions on the edge or in the middle of lava lakes, and you'll just be able to walk on in there <laughs> without a second mm-hmm. thought. I was able to, like, get us a couple of easy advancements just by walking in, grabbing a chest getting its contents and then strolling out again without any of the piglin brutes being able to attack me so i think it's uh yeah i I think striders are the sleeper hit of the of the nether update for me and as people start to 
uh, reset some of their older worlds or maybe consider rolling back the nether uh, in their older worlds, then I think striders are definitely the way to go in terms of uh, of exploration. I'm, I'm getting into um, some of the other bits and pieces as well. Obviously, bartering I've been doing since the beginning because I already had gold farms and I wanted abundant resources of what the piglins would give me. It's been very useful for getting hold of blackstone. Um, mm-hmm. which, again, is is surprising me in the ways I want to use it, even though I'm still not entirely keen on the texture. It's just like, well, Blackstone can go here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I built a roof in, in my uh, my town out of Blackstone because I just wanted something different than Dark Oak and, and, uh, and Spruce because I just was worried about repetition. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's it works for the shingle situation that I used it for. It still feels very noisy. So it's yeah. that's one of those things that I might try to touch up and not not change it entirely, but just kind of like maybe denoise it a little bit just so it doesn't like give me a static headache when I look mm-hmm. at it. Uh, sure. Uh, but I with striders, like quick technical question while I'm thinking about it. Can you leash striders? Can you put a lead on them? I believe you can because they are okay. passive mobs after all and that mm-hmm. seems consistent with behavior of other passive mobs. I'm just uh, thinking like you walk your strider up to an island, you enter into the um, nether fortress and then when you you know exit, your strider is now gone or is 20 blocks into the lava lake and you have no way to actually <laughs> yeah, no, get, get them. The way I've been getting around stuff like that and it's something that I can only really do in, in Java edition, but if I want to just stop on an island to pick up some wood or something or like I, I need a couple of things or I need to to stop off on an island and I don't want the strider wandering off, I switch the uh, warp fungus on a stick to my offhand and the strider just follows me around everywhere because I'm still holding its favorite food. And, oh, and they, nice. they don't tend to like lose interest. If you're in a nether fortress, then yeah, I recommend like leashing it or building a little corral outside. Uh, that's what I what I did when I, I raided a bastion with one and I just kind of tucked it up against the side of the building and built a cobblestone barrier around it so it wouldn't walk off. Um, nice. But yeah, like it, it's, it's kind of useful to know little tricks about handling them but yeah it's uh it, they're fun little creatures to to ride around on i still haven't decided to make a string farm out of them by killing them so i think that's <laughs> that, that probably goes some way to uh yeah explaining my love for striders nice uh shepherd in our live chat says yes you can uh lead them and jumbo cell says a strider stable is fun so mm-hmm. build ideas and technical support right there <laughs> absolutely all right uh let's move on from the news and get into chunk mail because of course we've had a bunch of email over the holidays thank you so much for writing in folks if you'd like to email the show and have a chance for your email to be read on a future episode of the spawn chunks the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com once again that's spawnchunkmail at gmail.com disregard any other email addresses you may have heard in previous episodes this is the one that we take mail at from now on and the first one comes in from abshaik who has a subject of bedrock development response uh, saying hi johnny and joel happy new year to both of you and all the listeners of the spawn chunks i was listening to the last episode of 2020 in which someone gave ideas about how mojang should update bedrock edition i would like to say that mojang has recently made many quality of life changes as well as parity changes that have made bedrock much more enjoyable Still, some very desired features, such as 100% TNT drops and building on the nether roof, are not here, but recently introduced mob despawning, which has a 44-block despawn for four-chunk simulation distance, has been introduced. Uh, We also have trident killers. Mojang is constantly fixing bugs that are very problematic for bedrock players. I want to say that Mojang may not be adding the most desired mechanics now, but they are working to make bedrock edition better. Keep reloading the spawn chunks. And thank you very much for that. I think having started to play Bedrock Edition a lot more now that my RTX series is based entirely in Bedrock Edition, I have not encountered a great deal of the bugs that I think long-term Bedrock players have encountered. And it's more to do with, I think, 
technical stuff that a lot of people relied on. Um, and I think multiplayer servers are more impacted by some of these issues than single player worlds are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the mechanics and stuff are still down to making it balanced across a range of devices, which has got to be the most difficult thing to deal with as far as developing Bedrock Edition goes. But it's good to know that not all players are going to uh, you know be on the side of some of the folks you've written in with some some more grievances, airing their grievances over the Festivus period uh, about Bedrock Edition. Yeah, I think it just goes to you know our comment earlier about how hard. Uh, Mojang Studios worked on, you know, the Nether update in 2020 and all that kind of stuff. And we focus on Java because that's what we play. I mean, I would identify the Spawn Chunks as a Java podcast yeah. mostly. Although if something big happens in Bedrock, we like to at least share that because we do have Bedrock listeners and Bedrock players in the community. But um, I just like the the emails highlighting the, the, the good work that has been done on Bedrock as well. You know, like um, specifically, I know that you and I have, have pointed out a number of times over the year when Bedrock has made changes that affect things like accessibility, um, volume sliders, uh, things that make it easier for players to play the game the way that they want to or the way that they have to. And I, and I think that I, you know, I think that's important that and those are being focused on as well. They're not the it's not the highlight reel. Like you're not necessarily going to get a great big like player base hurrah for like, you know, accessibility changes, but they're important and they're, it's good work, you know, as opposed to like new blocks or new mechanics and things like that. It, those always get like the, the, the headlines, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I still think the standout thing I would like to be added to Bedrock Edition is subtitles, which are an accessibility feature and, you know, volume sliders are fantastic, but I would really like to be able to have what I have in Java Edition, which is knowing which direction sounds are coming from. Um, it's kind of different. It, it's difficult to concentrate on when you're recording or uh, streaming something. And I tend to find that it, it helps both my audience and me uh, to kind of make sense of the audio landscape of Minecraft when especially when you're underground and looking for caves there can just be so many noises coming from so many different places it just kind of helps you understand all of that stuff moving on to the next email we have uh, one from n518 goat horns and villager interactions hey Pix and joel i recently built a villager trading hall in my survival world and had a tough time getting the villagers to go where i wanted them Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although rails are how most people transport villagers, getting enough iron can be difficult in the early game. One solution I thought of would be to use the goat horns that are being added in 117. When you, the player, use or blow the horn, it would make the pillager raid sound and cause villagers to run in the opposite direction. Players could use this to scare villagers into specific directions by strategically positioning themselves and sounding the horn. I think this would be a really cool mechanic and would make villager transport less of a hassle. It would also give players a reason to want to go to the mountains to interact with goats. I love the show, and I'd be really interested to hear what you think of this possible mechanic. Penguin on. Unique sign-off. I don't know what it means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um. So yeah, like using the... I, I think the, the goat horn can already be blown, and it creates a sound like the pillager horn. Um... So that doesn't have any kind of mechanical effect yet, but I I like this as a 
suggestion and yeah like villagers are still one of those things that you can never quite get them to go where you want them to as you you kind of had the the knowing smile of like yeah nope we've we've all been in this situation before having a tough time getting villagers to go where you want them and i think in this case it sounds a lot more like something that would be able to move them on mass so instead of one villager at a time having something that encouraged all of the villagers to go in a specific direction seems like it would be a a useful mechanic either that or you know you can you could use it for like player communication over long distances is my other thought about sounding the horn like you can't really make a great deal of sounds in minecraft that would like be noticeable to players over a certain distance away but i almost wonder if sounding the horn could be like the um like the wither sound effect when you summon the wither and everybody across the server can hear it and I don't know if you want like a, a complete server-wide broadcast of you blowing a goat horn, but I feel like at least a longer range in which players could uh, could blow it. Could be the if you're on a PvP server, for example, could be like the horn you blow before you go into battle against another faction or something like that. It'd be kind of fun to like rally the troops that way. Yeah, I getting everybody to go in one direction is one thing, but if you need one villager to go in one specific spot, then you run the risk of like having more than one people like one more than one villager do it like yeah, i think we end scattering up scattering awesome- everybody yeah yeah you'd either scatter everybody or like 12 villagers would try to go through one door and basically headbutt for 20 minutes and nothing uh-huh. would happen yep, you yep, know like yep. that, i feel like that kind of issue would happen too um and i'm gonna tease something here for our post show uh i've been spending quite a bit of time in oxygen not included which is a sim survival um game uh really really enjoying it uh managing a colony and they, it has a similar vibe to villagers in that some of these um, uh, duplicates are not the smartest in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see something more specific added to Minecraft with regards to villager player interaction. Like for an end game player, you can move mountains quite literally. You know this, <laughs> uh, but you can't, con- you know, you can't communicate at all, or you know, control or influence villagers uh, very well. Uh, the boat and Minecraft mechanics are tricky, um, and they tend to run off and do their own things. I find villager pathing is very frustrating. Um, so I thought, rather than the horn adding more mayhem, what if bartering with villagers granted you a way to tell them where to go? Here is X amount of I don't know emeralds, gold different per villager like maybe butchers want meat you know maybe you have to give them something that they want and then you can say now please stand here and they (laughs) would just do it like just you'd have a target block maybe there's a i mean we have a target block in game maybe you could get villagers to stand on it like i don't know if you could just do something that would allow you know more villager interaction but i'm just all of a sudden i'm getting you know visions of like target blocks with pressure plates on them and just seeing what kind of cool contraptions you can come up with mm-hmm. um alternatively something like a villager lodestone or even figuring out some sort of cool unique villager language interaction i think would be cool um but i don't want to replace existing mechanics i think that the minecraft carts and and the or mine carts and boats and stuff are great in the early game because you have instant access i think that adding something at the end for you know end game players to do after you've beat the dragon you have lots of farms you've got lots of pork and you know feathers and like all the things that you have a ton of to do something with these things and say like actually you know like if you want to get a librarian to go where you want then you should probably either give them a lot of books you know or give them a lot of feathers and quills and stuff you know ink and quills to write with or something to then value 
the interaction that you have with them, you know, more than just like getting stuff for them from the, the villager trading. Um, it would be interesting if you could do that and influence maybe where they went. Um, the reason why I bring this all up is because in Oxygen Not Included, you can assign jobs based on skills for these, these duplicants. And then you can tell them to prioritize certain things. And by doing that, you can almost always guess where they're going to be. You know, you can say, oh, if this guy's a cook, he's probably going to be in the kitchen most of the time. Uh, and so it's not the same as, as Minecraft mechanics, but it does kind of give you that little bit of control. You know, that little bit of influence, yeah. I guess I should say. Not control, but influence is, is the best word, word. And I'd love to see that for villagers in Minecraft. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where you can place workstations for them and they'll usually pathfind towards those during the day. But then it's dependent on which villagers are going to be around to pair with which workstations and that has improved since they've been introduced a couple of seasons at uh, seasons uh, a couple of versions ago <laughs> um but yeah it's it's been difficult getting that to mesh well with the way you want to control villagers and different times of day as well because you know they're not going to pathfind towards workstations if it isn't between the hours of like you know a few minutes after the sun rises and a few minutes before the sun sets like that middle of the day portion the work day is the only time they will do that and yeah like just by moving their workstations around sometimes you can get them to move but it's it's more finicky than i think it deserves to be at a certain stage and yes as you say at end game it feels like there should be a better way to do it when we have so much control over everything else it's, it's the same argument that happens with lighting, I suppose, which is, you know, that we don't have enough control over mob spawning at the end of the game. So villagers are still one of those standout things. Moving on to the last email we've got for today. This comes from Torda66, and the subject is Minecraft Mountains and Howling Peaks. Hey, Johnny and Joel, you mentioned in episode 120 about the experience of playing the Howling Peaks DLC of Minecraft Dungeons and how they were drawing away from the feel of core Minecraft Mountains. I know Minecraft Dungeons is a separate game and we can't have everything from Dungeons in Minecraft, although I very much want it, but I thought it'd be really cool if they took the vibe of Howling Peaks and used it in the upcoming update to Mountains. I really like the idea of grass being that same reddish colour in mountain biomes and having Tibetan-inspired monuments and temples would be really cool to see as you wander over the mountains. Perhaps there could even be mountain villages. Either way, I would hope that there will be more changes to mountains than just goats, powder snow and improved generation, as mountains need just as much of an update as caves. Do you think they could take the feel of Howling Peaks and put it into core Minecraft, or would it be crossing the streams too much? Despawning, Torda66. Uh, P.S. Minecraft Dungeons texture packs, multiple Minecraft Dungeons texture packs, do exist on planet Minecraft, but I don't know how good they are or if they're finished yet. There's also a resource pack on VanillaTweaks.net that changes a few different textures, namely dirt, stone, and terracotta, to their Dungeons variant. If you're looking for it, it took me a while to find it on VanillaTweaks.net. It's in the parody section. Uh, so you can make some of your textures in Java look more like bedrock textures, or you can make them look more like Minecraft Dungeons textures, things like dirt, terracotta, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's pretty cool, actually. I, I like the idea of that. Some of the things that I really enjoyed playing Minecraft Dungeons were, of course, like the very different color palette you get in things like pumpkins, pastures. And yes. I love to try and implement that in a way... Uh, in Minecraft. I mean, you'd, you'd, probably the easiest way to do it is through something like Optifine, where you can say, okay, specific biomes are going to be a different color, or mm -hmm. like whatever. Uh, but uh, that kind of stuff, I think, is is really cool, um, w either with a data pack or a texture pack or something, just to kind of bring a little of Minecraft Dungeons in. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Minecraft Dungeons textures brought over. I think Minecraft is always going to have its own look, um, and that's good. 
but I I agree with with Twitter sixty six. Like I I would like to see because we have things like swamp water and swamps and the grass is a different color you know grass is a different color in deserts you know it's got that brown kind of dead green look to it um i would love to see something different about grass in in the mountains and in minecraft because grass is different at altitudes like that trees are different at altitudes like that uh I, i would i would love to see something like that in uh and especially because minecraft does have that fantasy vibe you know with phantoms and enderman walking around like i think you could go with like a reddish grass and no one's really going to question it right you know it's like walking up a hill and what was that robot dinosaur game uh, horizon zero dawn yeah uh-huh. um, i've just seen screenshots and stuff like that and like some of the it's not just on earth or something like they they, they seem to have some fantasy vibes or or at least some more extreme biomes and stuff in that game that seem to to really pop out and, and look uh unique and i think there's an opportunity with mountains specifically to do that kind of thing i don't know about adding villages villages right now look pretty janky even on the best minecraft terrain you know they come up to a five block drop and all of a sudden the road just stops and then you know five meters below the road continues and you kind of hope the villagers know that they're not going to walk off like Mm -hmm. you know there's stuff like that that i find kind of wonky in minecraft village generation but um in terms of the mountains and stuff, it would be cool if they added a new temple. You know, like, I just don't know how much of that is like, do they want to spend the time adding a new thing like that, similar to pillager outposts, or do they want to go back and, you know, spend more time maybe updating older temples that seem kind of lackluster compared to the new stuff. So I'm not really sure. Also, what value do you then bring to a temple structure in mountains? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest problem with adding new generated structures is that every time they do, you need to have a reason to go there. And more often than not for players, that is unique loot. And from what we understand, they aren't planning on adding a great deal of stuff to mountains that makes them unique, aside from maybe powder snow. And so the kind of stuff that like what makes sense to be up there maybe a couple of goat horns in a chest isn't really going to cut it that's the, mm-hmm. the the thing that i found so disappointing about pillager watchtowers when they were added is that the loot in those chests is usually just crossbow making components you know it's not mm-hmm. the kind of thing that makes it worth climbing that tower and you know fighting through all of the pillagers in order to get to them and it's not the point and then you can use the structure as a you know a spawning site for pillagers if you want to make a raid farm and that kind of stuff but then there are there are so many things that I think if you just threw a couple of diamonds, maybe some gold in a chest, players still wouldn't find that exciting because you can get diamonds and gold from all of the other structures. So, yeah, I, I think maybe having a mountaintop monastery might look kind of cool, but that's something for players to build, to me. Um, exactly, I, I, think, I agree. Unless you can add something unique to it. Like, if the Isologer made it in and maybe there was a chance mm. for Isologers to just spawn in a mountain monastery type structure or something then maybe it could be another like pillager location but even then i don't think it's 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 really necessary and it seems like the kind of thing that it would be fun for players to build uh, mountain villages yeah i feel like same thing you can take some of those tiger biome villages and transport them up a mountain if you want to um and i expect there will be a little bit of crossover here and there where a tiger spawns on the edge of a mountain and the village just ends up being halfway up the mountainside anyway um, because that's how terrain generation works. Sometimes it moves in mysterious ways. Um, I, I like the idea of there being a red grass biome, though, and I would like to see a little bit more variation in mountain biomes, maybe even a separation of mountain biomes from these taller peaks that we're expecting from the 
images they showed us at Minecraft Live through to maybe like a little bit of a take on uh, the Howling Peak style of of mountain generation in in Minecraft Dungeons. I I don't know how the red grass would really blend with the other biome colors that you find around there. And I think red grass is specifically like that. There are areas of I think China and probably like Tibet and Nepal and places where where red grass is like found in in nature. But I don't know quite how that's going to blend with the existing Minecraft landscape. And mo- mostly, I find I feel like if it's just another color for grass blocks, the way other biome colors work, you're going to be sort of disappointed when you can't take it somewhere else. Uh, so I wonder right. if maybe adding it as a completely separate block as another dirt variant would be the ideal implementation of that for me mm-hmm. yeah no I, that would work because i was thinking too like even just red grass i wasn't even thinking so much as the block as much as i was thinking of like the actual grass that sticks up you know like sure the, yeah the, the, gr- the grass like entity off. kind of thing yeah. yeah uh and that would be cool too I, like it whenever i'm very cautious whenever i mention new blocks now because i just think like you know whenever i i quote unquote ask for a new block i always think we need we need to fix the inventory or at least take steps to fix the inventory before we you know start getting new new variants and blocks i think but but yeah i i I agree that the, the well i guess the biome blend does pretty well like i don't really notice a hard border between you know swamps and say like a flower forest like they tend to blend it pretty subtly it's i mean it's a it's a pixel game so you kind of see the blocks but like that's mm-hmm. expected um i i feel like the biome blend does very well with water whenever i've seen like a swamp meet a different biome the rivers or stuff like that it tends to be pretty smooth i think my default setting is five by five on biome blend so it's not like super high um but i i don't i don't find it jarring um, so I think there's ways to to do it, but again, I feel like at this point I'm speaking outside of my technical knowledge, you know, in terms of how it's coded and what's the best implementation of it. Yeah, we we still have like little bits and pieces like the crimson stuff, the crimson roots to play around with here and there, yep. but mm-hmm. yeah, g- giving it that feel is is a little bit more, I think, up to the player at that stage. So so maybe maybe we'll see stuff like this in future, and maybe it's the kind of thing that players could start to give those biomes a makeover if they really wanted to to see that kind of style. So this week, we wanted to talk about the year ahead, uh, less about guessing what's coming from Mojang Studios and more about what we're planning to do in 2021. Uh, so Johnny, like, what what are your plans for the new year in, in Minecraft? Well, uh, having gotten a doorstop of a book from uh, my good friend Zloy XP, who is a very generous man who likes to buy me Christmas presents occasionally. Uh, previously, some of them have been kind of jokey, but this one is a lot more serious. Uh, he bought me a copy of this book called Elements of Architecture by Rem Koolhaas and a bunch of other authors who've contributed. Um, it's a breeze block of a book. It's about 2,300 pages. Um and so so the alternative to reading it is using it as a building block in its own right. Um, and I'm using this as a lens to look at Minecraft because it's an architecture theory book. It's not necessarily looking at the practical process of architectural building. It's discussing elements of architecture, as the title suggests, and their place in sort of cultural significance and history. Um, and I've already done one Twitch stream, which is now up on my vod's channel on youtube if people want to seek that out it'll be linked in the show notes where i read through the first 50 pages or so of this book on the subject of floors 
And it had some really interesting insights into how we approach flaws in Minecraft. A lot of it is couched in very academic language, so I was trying my best to translate uh, for people in the chat who were just like, what have I stumbled into? Um, but it's kind of interesting reading through people's, you know, more intellectual thoughts on what exactly a flaw is. And a lot of the first section goes into talking about, for a start, how we are more or less always in contact with the flaw because of gravity. And so, despite the fact that the floor is the surface of a building we interact with the most, we tend to kind of take it for granted. It is just there to absorb the impact of our footfalls on it constantly. And, you know, as a result, we've fine-tuned surfaces over the years to be, for a start, like, more significant in the days of, you know, Roman mosaics, when floors were told, you know, telling stories a little bit more and... Um, it kind of draws examples from all across history and, you know, stories in the Bible and the Quran and stuff as well. And then you look at the modern day when flaws have been increasingly less detailed to the point where now in architecture offices, some places around the world, there are rubberized floors that are designed not only to, you know, feel like you're not really walking on anything that has texture, but also not emit any sound. <laughs> and this kind of drew to mind a few things in, in Minecraft for me. For a start, the fact that we're now looking at soundless floors in the context of skulk sensors and the warden and how we can sneak around without making any noise and how if you're around these elements more frequently it might make more sense to carpet your house in Minecraft and use wool blocks for the floor when normally you might use wood or stone or even grass. Um, I was also looking around some of Minecraft's own structures and finding that village houses all now have floors which are generated off the ground like there aren't any village huts with dirt floors anymore they've all got like a layer of planks which kind of implies that village society is a bit more sophisticated than we give it credit for because they're not just making do with you know the starter house idea of just four walls around whatever patch of grass you felt like setting up on for your first night in minecraft and yeah i'm, I'm just going through this book from more of a a theoretical standpoint and seeing what ideas it inspires me to uh, to use in minecraft i already started building a house where because of the ideas of different levels of floor conveying different levels of status you've got more of like a cooking and sitting area that's outside and then you go up into a threshold that then takes you to the rest of the house and you might have different living spaces on higher levels for different people and if you think about the way apartments are arranged so that the penthouse is at the top and always has the, the best view and the biggest floor plan and that kind of stuff there, there's a there's a lot more ideas being generated by this than there would be by just flicking through a couple of um you know design documents online so yeah i want to read more books about architecture this year and uh, probably learn a bit more about color theory and get hold of a little bit more architecture reference just for picture reference, just for different styles of houses and understanding what types of roof designs exist and what they're all called. So I can talk about architecture from a slightly more, uh, you know, a position of greater knowledge when I'm making build tutorials. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be my focus this year outside of just churning through the usual amount of content and doing what I do is trying to expand my my knowledge of architecture a little more. Brings me back to my days in art school. We didn't talk about it a lot because I was in fine art school and we talked about mostly sculpture painting, mm -hmm. but architecture, of course, did come into it, especially Gothic architecture, uh, any kind of architecture movement that then influenced um, design and influenced art. 
uh, obviously 20th century with uh, reinforced concrete, you know, rebar allowing all kinds of different shapes and platforms and hovering floors and like yeah, all the, that the, kind of the stuff. The stacked floor designs, kind of that you yeah, see in more like skyscrapers you know, and apartment buildings. Yeah, yeah, and looking at things like you know Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water and some very mm. famous you know architecture from that era. Uh, those kind of aesthetic, like horizontal slabs that appear to float and dividing space without dividing space horizontally without dividing it vertically, you know, yeah, like that that kind of stuff was really um, interesting and something that it's you know inherently you have access to in Minecraft because there's no gravity on most blocks. exactly so you, you, you yeah. can build unencumbered by the laws of physics for the most yeah. part in Minecraft yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's weird because like in Minecraft, there's a certain point where you kind of feel like you have to add in a pillar. Otherwise it starts to look silly. But then if you look at cantilever designs in modern architecture, you can really have like what looks like a diving board of a house mm -hmm. without support. And just as long as there's enough weight and enough, you know, reinforced uh, stuff underneath it on the other side, then you're fine. Um, you know, you see that a lot in like california and other places where the people tend to build houses high on hills and, and things and um i'm really curious I, I i missed the live stream of you doing um the the read i might have even been streaming myself at the time and but i want to go back and, and listen to it because i'm very curious about this book and uh i mean is it a lot of text or is, is there a lot of visual examples like is it how does it pan out in that way it's kind of a combination of both there are some really interesting visual elements to it as well and each section i think has either been authored by a different person or you know has had different contributors so each section it goes over the different elements there's like floors ceilings walls uh elevators toilets like there's a few kind of essential things that you might not like you might not necessarily consider a toilet an element of architecture but you think you know obviously that has to be have some bearing on like where the plumbing goes in a building and how designs like that have developed over time public toilets all that kind of stuff like there's the it, it kind of goes pretty broad on some of that stuff and each section has a different approach to laying out the information so some of them are a lot more picture heavy some of them have a bit more text where people are just waxing lyrical about whatever <laughs> inspires them about floors in this case and the floor section does start off with a lot of you know just kind of paragraphs and sections of of reading but then each section has if not a picture to illustrate the point that's being made on that page at least some of the things that are being discussed um mm -hmm. and there's you know diagrams explaining where different floors are relative to each other and like there's there's a great line drawing of like okay this is the ground and you know it kind of curves up a line from there and it says okay this is stuff that we put on the ground things like you know slightly lower down there's things like prayer mats and you know rugs and that kind of stuff and then you go up and then you get the floor of you know houses and temples in ancient architecture and then at the end of that the line kind of curves upwards and then eventually goes vertical and there's a point on the line that says international space station <laughs> because it's like as far off the ground as we can get while still being tied to the earth right and so yeah. you know the floor in that is a completely different concept to a floor that's on the ground but yeah they, they, they've got a lot of visual reference in there as well but it's not necessarily like this is what an edwardian house and a georgian house and a gothic house looks like kind of side by side it's a lot more granular than that in a lot mm. of these well it's cool because that means it's going to be it's going to inform like your design intentions which i think is an important part of minecraft and will like without kind of like in, influencing your visual style like so you'll be able to adjust and, and do things 
and still have it look like pixel riffs builds as opposed mm-hmm. to just pixel riffs building a georgian house you know what i mean yeah uh-huh. like that that kind of stuff that's, that's awesome i i'd like to do the same with um medieval building i think i mentioned this before the the break but i'd like to get a little bit more um precise with my vocabulary in terms of the parts of walls and towers and castles and roads and like in the from a medieval perspective so where this book is about modern architecture i'd be talking more about like marlins and and battlements and towers and inner walls out walls curtain curtain walls like all all that kind of stuff um i i think i want to brush up on that so i can talk about things more intelligently and then also design intelligently from like you know where would the staircase in this have to be for this to be normal and usable and does that mean that you have to add a block width to your design and if it does will that look better in the end you know like what sacrifices do you have to make because of the one thick one meter thick walls in in minecraft to say like okay well it should it should be a staircase but it's going to have to be a ladder because i just really don't want this to be bigger than a seven by seven you know like that Mm -hmm. those kind of decisions so that's that's really really cool um i speaking of uh the minecraft uh, medieval stuff that's one of the things that i'd like to do in 2021 is this medieval minecraft town project uh is quickly becoming more and more fun but also more and more complex Mm -hmm. and i'm running into situations where build a has to kind of slow because i have to sort out build b which is next to build a but then that leads to thinking about area c and planning that out yeah and so it's it, it very quickly can get overwhelming uh it's never dull though and when the where the town is full you know, when we think about it as a full project it's daunting but when you look at each build currently because each build is like a house uh it's relatively small or simple or i'm pushing that way i'm actually dialing back the level of of detail i'm putting into these things in terms of like the a kind of like perfectionist mentality that i would normally put into a build because otherwise it will just take me forever to get stuff done um and so some of these little, we'll call them quote unquote filler houses are just like, they don't really have to be special or decorated inside. I kind of want hearth and roof and chimney and kind of go from there. And I, I really want to try and exercise those two things. I want to exercise in letting go and making sure that things, each individual house doesn't have to be its own individual work of art, but I want the street, the experience of walking down it to be very precise you know so those kind of balancing those those things um but it's helping me practice a lot of building things in minecraft that i just don't do that often or i'm realizing that after three and a half years of playing very seriously i don't build houses very much i'm normally building farms or structures or things or rooms or nether halls like i'm not normally doing houses and this medieval build is focusing me on building something that a lot of people have a lot more practice with than me uh, and so I'm picking up a lot of tips and tricks about like roofs and things like that. And I, I'd like to learn more, like you mentioned, you know, with the the um, architecture side of things to try and improve my, I call it like a visual repertoire. So when I'm drawing, drawing art, like I've drawn enough everyday objects like coffee cups, beer mugs, um, French presses, uh, tables, chairs, things like that. So I I kind of have a shorthand for things like that when I was cartooning a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to have that kind of like uh, armory or or quiver of designs in my pocket in Minecraft where I can say, okay, well, am I going to do this roof? Is it going to be this five by five build? Is it going to be 
uh, a two by one pitch roof or is it going to be a one by one? Like it's going to be a 45 degree angle. It's going to be a 20 degree angle. Uh, I am having a lot of fun with the angled builds. I still find them challenging, but I'm noticing that they come together a little bit faster now, you know? So I'm, I'm looking to have that kind of stuff where these houses do come together in three hours, no matter what kind of house it is. Like I know kind of like, oh, I can build this kind of house here or that kind of house there and have those kind of things um, kind of in my back pocket. Where I'm noticing I'm lacking is something I know you said you started off doing a lot of very early on, which is the subblock details, like yeah. using fence gates and fence posts for like decorative work, for using uh, trap doors and, and other things for railings and trying to get like staircases and inside builds, uh, that kind of stuff. I'm not really going a lot on interiors, but I need to do better with having a building look ornate because I haven't done that yet on purpose. Most of my builds right now are the simple town houses, not the fancy rich people houses. Those are coming and I'm scared <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in, 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 a, in a funny kind of like joking way uh, because they're going to require a different design aesthetic altogether. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean about like the domino effect of like, well, to build this, then I have to figure out where that's going to go. And then that leads me thinking about the rest of this wider area because i think my main project for the remainder of this year up until summer is going to be this museum that i've been working on in survival mm -hmm. guide and that's very much the same thing of people often coming into my comments asking me like when's the museum going to be done and i'm like i don't even know what the outside of this looks like yet because i'm too busy worried about the inside and making sure i can fit all of my ideas into one space and so right now, working on the nether exhibit for the museum, I'm trying to figure out how much space do I need to put all of the nether stuff in, and where is each element of the nether going to go, and when do I get onto stuff that you can craft out of nether things, and like the exploded diagram of this just gets further and further apart from having a coherent structure at the end of it. So I'm very much in that like planning ahead kind of phase right now for for how ambitious this project has been but i'm i'm looking forward to getting more of that done this year that's like my my main focus really over the next six months or presumably until uh the caves and cliffs update comes out because i think the biggest upheaval that i'll be seeing this year is going to be the caves and cliffs update and starting a brand new survival world uh in java minecraft for the first time in two and a half years at this point probably mm -hmm. three by the time the update arrives because I have had the survival guide world since the update aquatic since we started this podcast even um and that's going to be a bit of a change it's going to mean revi revising revisiting a lot of the early topics of survival guide and seeing how those have changed over the years and while i've obviously started other projects in the meantime i've started various skyblock series i've done a couple of snapshot build things i've been doing this rtx series now i don't really feel like I've started something as big as the survival guide since that. And so starting a season two of that, I'm I'm interested in how all of that goes and mostly looking forward to how stuff from the Caves and Clip Cliffs update is going to influence the stuff that I do from this point on. I think cave bases are going to be back in a big way <laughs> as of the next update. I feel like if Mojang pulls off the type of thing that they're trying to do with caving, and the amount of biomes and stuff, you're not going to see that many people on the surface <laughs> anymore. And I expect a lot of our time will be spent making the underground cozy and comfortable and exploring that than will be spent on the surface exploring 
overworld stuff, at least for a little while, until people feel tempted to come out of their burrows again and start looking for ocean monuments and woodland mansions and the like. So I think, yeah, one of the other things I'm looking forward to this year is completing season one of the survival guide and moving on to season two in a brand new world. Uh, as for you, Joel, are you you're keeping the Citadel, right? Like you're moving into one seventeen, presumably on the same server. Yeah, I, that is. I, I'm def, I'm not on the fence, but I'm certainly thinking about what that looks like. Uh, we've lucked out with the way that our seed works and the way that. Well, really, we're not a super active server when you think about expansion and land acquisition like Mm -hmm. people have been spending a lot of time in their respective areas doing very specific stuff most of which is all in the same continent and you think about it like in in minecraft continents uh only a few of these realms that we've added that we travel to via command block uh, teleportation that are ten thousand blocks away and those are specifically distanced just because you don't want to have your medieval town bumping up against your modern city uh and so with that i think we've we've had pretty good success with updating the nether there were quite a few places it took us a couple tries to eliminate as much of the chunk borders as we could Mm -hmm. uh i anticipate that being a larger problem with 117 i don't know how well we're going to be able to do it uh in the aquatic update and in the um village and pillage update it was really easy i just basically updated the chunk borders in the middle of oceans Basically, if it was a continent that had been built on or used for anything, we just said, all right, well, this entire continent is now 113. And then anything 114, you'll have to go to a new landmass just to find it. And that's worked out pretty well. Uh, If there are any land borders, they're under the deep oceans and you just don't notice them, right? You just don't come across it that often. And if you're building an ocean base, you would definitely see it, but like, it's not a big deal. Um, So that combined with, I really don't want to go and start Minecraft over again on the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to necessarily go back to ground zero. Uh, and, and it's because I just love being so creative on street on stream without having to gather resources. Like I just like, I basically have a creative inventory. I just have to go somewhere on the server to get what I want. Yeah. Like it's, it's not hard. Uh, and it means that like, I, you know, if I'm thinking about really trying Blackstone, it's like, well, well, I know where there's Blackstone. I might as well just take the 10 minutes to go run into the nether and get it. And then, you know, out of a chest and then come back here with it and just see if it works. You know, that kind of stuff is is nice. Uh, however, I am thinking about starting in a 117 snapshot world uh, when terrain generation hits snapshots. Um, one, I definitely want to be able to talk about it on the podcast at length rather than just popping into something quick and creative and bopping around. I think I would be more informed if I had like, you know, a few hours of survival gameplay in, you know, snapshot worlds. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested in the tactical stuff as well. You know, um, skulk sensors and the new mechanics and stuff like that. So I, I definitely want to go there. And so I think that might gauge my interest and or desire to then, either reset the citadel which i don't i mean like it's not just my decision either like there's a lot of people that i have to talk to about it and especially people that have recently become streamers and started new big projects that have only just begun and so in june i don't think people are going to be done with those things like i'm certainly not going to be done with my stuff uh and so i don't like having a deadline for minecraft projects yeah so i don't think that we're going to see a 117 reset on the citadel um I, I do want to have some sort of 117 experience, though, 
and we're just going to have to find the best way to do that. It could be just a matter of, of putting up a, you know, another Minecraft teleportation block. Hope the server can handle the fact that we're going to be teleporting you 50,000 blocks. The only thing there is that it just, it becomes an issue with coordinates. Like I find that if you're doing anything technical, it's hard enough sometimes when your coordinates get into four digits, let alone six, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit tricky there, but that that's kind of where I, I am with it. I, with this, with the snapshot world, I want to stretch my legs and try something that I don't feel I can do on the Citadel without a custom texture pack, and that is sci-fi stuff. So I want to try to build sci-fi stuff in this snapshot world with 117 blocks as best I can, and see where the limits are, where I beat my head against the wall the most, and then. One of the other things that I'd like to try to do in 2021 is get into more custom texture packs. I always say that I want to do stuff, and I think I want to really kind of get back into learning more about pixel art and pixel textures and try to create a unique texture pack. Maybe starting with like the medieval realm and saying like, well, there's a couple of trap doors that would work a little bit better if they had a different texture. Um, there'd be there's a few things that I think would be uh, a little bit nicer to use. Like uh, we were trying to use cartography tables as a vertical plank texture in mm -hmm. dark oak but you can't control the way that they land so unless your build is specifically built facing the direction that can take advantage of this you're going to end up with like a globe or a compass or something hanging on the side yeah. of it yeah and yeah so you, it doesn't you have to be you have to be facing like south or west in order yeah, to get the right exactly the right texture you want it's too bad because like other things like anvils you just totally just face a different direction and it has a different orientation yeah. which is Rotational. brilliant and I, yeah I, yeah i wish that all of the profession blocks had that ability you know, like lectern, same idea. How how you face depends on which way it you know it it, it is placed in the world. Uh, but some of the other ones don't have that option. Um, and that could be just something as simple as adding a data pack that adds rotation to those blocks. Like I don't know how hard that is to do, but if that's possible, then that'd be great. Um, but things like that, I think, would be um, a lot more useful. Uh, and it would be a good kind of like small kind of tweak where like if you change the texture but not the color of a dark oak trapdoor, and you change it from being a Hershey bar into being something that looks a little bit more like a, a spruce trapdoor, but dark oak colors, that becomes a little bit more useful, I think, in, in what I'm doing. And it doesn't really break the mold. If someone doesn't have that texture installed, it doesn't look terrible. You know, like mm -hmm. it still looks good in default. And that's the kind of thing I, I tread lightly on. I always like you, like where you don't use textures, uh, custom textures very much at all for very specific reasons. I'm on that same fence of like, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole of like always tweaking textures because then like, I'd rather just play Minecraft sometimes, you know? Yeah. And, and then you also, I mean, as a streamer, you end up with people endlessly asking, what's your texture pack or why don't you use this or whatever it's like what texture pack is it and you just it's just this constant question and it's like do i really want to open that can of worms whereas if someone comes into a sci-fi build and it is very obvious like absolutely nothing like minecraft uh you know glass has got like lines through it and and things look like they're you know paintings look like they have like gyroscopes and little tweedly doos and going ons and animated stuff like that to me i think is almost better because then you don't people just land and they go okay obviously a texture pack you know like yeah. i don't have to ask mm -hmm. <laughs> it's obviously a complete departure um and so i might try to, to mess around with that um uh, do you I know Skyblock is technically modded, but do you have any any uh, idea of getting in a modded Minecraft in in twenty twenty one? Well, Skyblock is, I mean, it's data packs, I suppose, are the mods, I guess. and like, but yeah. but as as far as the Skyblock I tend to play, it's about as vanilla as it gets. Um, and 
I'm, I'm not sure if I'm planning on getting into modded. I almost don't think I'll have the time <laughs> in mm-hmm. a way because I have so much other stuff going on. And I briefly want to touch on this because you mentioned texture packs. Like normally I'm not one for texture packs in general, but now I'm playing with the Minecraft RTX stuff and right. I have less of a focus on that series being tutorial based. I really think that's where I'm going to start branching out into more texture pack based stuff. Not least because the community has already produced a bunch of texture packs for RTX that aren't just vanilla. There are some that are really good approximations and updates of vanilla that have all of the the physically based rendering components like shiny stone and, and bumpy grass and that kind of thing. But there is also a whole community of people making high resolution texture packs for stuff and more modern looking ones and... I think as I go throughout that series, that's where I'm going to start experimenting with it. Maybe even to the point where, despite the fact that I have very little talent for this kind of stuff, poking around in that myself and seeing what I can do to maybe tone down some of the elements I don't like as much and, and uh, you know, just tinker with things a little bit behind the scenes to get things dialed in and looking the way I want them for that series. I doubt I'll stray too much from vanilla Minecraft because, you know, I don't want my grass blocks to look like you know, alien planet, but I think having access to some more of that stuff and having to, you know, ha- not having to explain it constantly is probably, yeah, wh- where my brain wants to be at. And so aside from using RTX to explore realistic lighting and colorful lighting a lot more, I think it's also going to be a chance to look around texture packs and, and see how that can, uh, see how my building style can adapt to some of those as well. Not least because some of the blocks will be able to be made glowy, and and I like that a lot. Uh, but outside of modded stuff, nah, I don't think I will have the time. I think between now and Caves and Cliffs update, I have so much stuff that is occupying my my brain, and if I get too distracted by a modded project, I feel like I'm not going to finish the stuff that I've already committed to in my vanilla yeah. survival worlds. I hear um, you. I feel like the RTX stuff is it's not a mod, but it's about as modded as it gets for me. I think that's where I get drawn into modded is that I did enjoy my time in all of fabric three. I did sort of feel like, okay, I'm at a point now where I kind of have to go mining and have to do vanilla stuff. It's like, that's not why I want to play modded. Mm -hmm. And, and I did feel like my attention was divided. You know, like I was, it was pulling me away from, you know, the Citadel, but I think also I was having a frustrating time on the Citadel at the moment. And sometimes when I hit that wall, it's nice to have something else to pop over to, which I think is maybe what you have with, you know, your skyblock series. And um, I think too, like, where I, you know, am going to be stretching my legs and, and taking into consideration things like sci-fi texture packs, like maybe modded is just going to be the better place for it. Like mm-hmm. maybe vanilla Minecraft gameplay, it's just not going to be enough. Like maybe I'm going to want elevators and sliding doors and just be able to really put those finishing touches on some sort of sci-fi theme. Um, I'm If I had access to RTX, I'd love to be able to play with that. And that, again, would be a great place to do a, a custom texture pack sci-fi build, you know, with RTX. Because, like, holy crap, you could really get into um, some cool lighting and, and stuff there, too. Um, I th- I don't know whether you'd mention it pre-show or not, but I, I think you had mentioned something about, you know, color theory. Um, and wanting to, could, like, use RTX and the RGB stuff to kind of, like work on that kind of stuff and, and yeah. try to implement that in your worlds. Um, so I'll recommend uh, Color and Light, a guide for the realist painter. doesn't matter that you're not painting. Uh, it's by James Gurney. Uh, and it's been, it's it's pretty much a staple in like art world. Um, anybody that's dealing with painting and dealing with light rendering, you know, light moods, all that kind of stuff about how light works and how to render it in, in artwork. 
But really, all you have to do is just ch change the idea of using Photoshop or a paintbrush and pigments and then just switch that over to the mechanics of RTX and you might be able to achieve some really cool stuff. And at least if you're going to want to brush up on those kind of things, the way that you're brushing up on the architecture stuff, then then color and light would be an excellent place to start. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I want to read more in general, and I think that's uh, that's definitely going to be a, a place to uh, place to go with it. Uh, well, that's. <laughs> I, I think it'll be interesting to look back on this show in six to eight months' time and see how much of this we've actually accomplished. <laughs> I feel like this is this is almost us setting our New Year's resolutions for Minecraft. I feel like, and uh, yeah, let's see uh, see how far we can get with any of it. But I think for now, that is going to be it for this episode of the Spawn Chunks. Uh, you can find more information about the show and links to all of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is moving into another year of being a listener-supported podcast and always proud of it. If you get some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in by visiting patreon.com slash thespawnchunks and joining our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live once we're above that threshold, which I think we have met over the Christmas period once again, and uh, gets us closer to our future goals of a monthly Minecraft audio hangout uh, where we can chat to our patrons just about what we've been doing in Minecraft that week. Uh, we're currently at 213 patrons, which is down from the end of last year, but I think a few people sorting out their finances at the beginning of the year stands to reason, really. Uh, we want to give special thanks to our content engineers who have stuck around with us. That's Greener Canuck, uh, General Pattern 82, Hunter 555, Jumbo Sale, and Yitz for your support on this episode. I'll chime in and say how much that I appreciate the support of the patrons. I, I don't want to speak for you, Pixros, but I'm sure we have the same sort of general um, uh, thanks. And over the last few years, uh, and especially with uh, 2020 being what it was, uh, the consistency and the growth of our Patreon support has meant that I can check the box of being a professional podcaster. And it has been a hobby dream for years, and it's been something that I can actually do now. And I, it's, I'm elated. It's it's such a fun thing to be able to do. It's a great way to interact with the community and, and provide some fun entertainment for folks when they need it. But um, when you get down to the brass tacks of it, like it has become a career and I'm incredibly grateful for it. And so I've said this on my Twitch stream before and I'll say it here when I have the opportunity at the beginning of the year and the beginning of the month. Uh, thank you to all of you that are uh, doing anything and, and all the things on, on Patreon. It's, it's very, very much appreciated. Um, but that's not the only way you can support the show. You can just share it with friends. It's free, uh, and it also goes a long way. Just statistically, the more people that listen, uh, the larger the community and the better the show does in general. Uh, so you can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way, however, so poke a friend in the arm from a safe clinical distance and say, this is The Spawn Chunks, and then point them towards where they can listen to it. Where that might that be? on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, really wherever you get your podcasts. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Use that one. Don't use anything else because we won't read it. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the Patreon-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, and that's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my various YouTube series, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? 
Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. My other podcast is all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, which you can find at thecitadelcafe.com. I have a special announcement coming up this Wednesday, the 6th, so you're going to want to tune into that episode. You can also find me at Joel Duggan on social media, very easy to find, and twitch.tv slash joelduggan, where I'm playing Minecraft and Oxygen Not Included this week. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and my New Year's resolution is still 16 by 16.